Welcome to another edition of Food, Faith, and Feelings, brought to you as an educational program under the nonprofit Mana Scholarship Fund. Our program is designed to help you better understand issues related to your physical and mental diet, what you consume that is impacting your head, your heart, and your soul. We are thankful to our business partnership with Paradigm Security and Mr. Rick Strawn for providing this opportunity to come to you. We hope to enrich your lives as he has enriched ours. So our guest today is author, speaker, writer extraordinaire, Brooke Heberling. Hello. Hey, Brooke. Welcome back. Yeah, I was on here, I think it was like three years ago. Wow. In a different studio. Far, far away. Yes. <laughs> but I, I'm, I'm glad to be back. So yeah, thankful to be yeah. here. Yeah, and this time you are back because? I wrote a book. Amazing. And it is being published, and I am ecstatic to share it with the world. Also a little nervous, but ecstatic. Yeah. So. Well, let me just tell you that um, as your previous therapist and knowing all of the things that you have been through, I am so glad that you came through your eating disorder because you are a phenomenal freaking writer. <laughs> Thank you. I mean, I, you, I was you, blown away. I've, I've always loved writing and I've always, it's crazy, um, after writing the book, I now understand my brain more mm. it's like I now know why I think the way I do and why I remember everything I do and have this just constant reel of dialogue really going in my head so I'm very very glad that it finally got to translate onto paper because it's always been a dream of mine great well I've I don't know if you remember but I used to say and I've said this many 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 years don't read a book write a book oh my gosh i i'm starting on my next one already yeah like, um well i feel like so many people i mean i think and i do know that books are so helpful to others and that's one of the reasons why you wrote this but so many people in treatment are trying to consume right we are in a world now where we are consuming and there's less expression um except for selfies <laughs> And pictures, yes, which is fine, but I mean it. Well, in some ways it is, in some ways it's not. But um, I think it's so important that people learn. It's exactly what you just said. It's like they learn more about who they are, what's locked up in their brain and in their heart, and just how to say it. And um, and it's so cathartic. Yes. I'm certain that this is a huge therapeutic leap for you. A hundred percent. My husband, Derek, uh, he's been with me through this entire process. And even before I was writing the book, any time that I was battling something in my head, he could tell. And he would be like, you need to go write. You need to go write. Mm. And I'm like, no, I don't want to write. I even wrote a poem one time on why I didn't want to write. And it turned out to be this beautiful realization of why I needed to write, of course. So I, um, I give a lot of credit to him and my family for having the patience to allow me the space to do this the past year because 
once it started coming out of me, it just did not stop. And you were still teaching, right? Yes. So I would teach from 7 to 2.30, go home, get ready for the, the next day and lock myself up in my tower and write, 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 and then love on kiddos, feed everybody, put people to bed, write, 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 and do it all again. Wow, that's amazing. So how long did it take you to write this book? I, I started typing it on October 29, 2001. Wow. Yeah. So it's going to be published. 2001? Even, yeah. So it's going to be published even like under a year. Do you mean 21? Oh, excuse me. <laughs> 2021. My goodness. You'll realize in the. <laughs> I was like, wait, before you. Wait, what? I, I thought you were just so shocked at like how quickly I did it. I was like sitting no. here like, yes, it was very fast. No. You're like, that oh. is very fast. <laughs> But not if you started in, in 2001. Exactly. So, excuse me, 2021. Okay. And um, You said October? Mm-hmm. It was October 29th because I had it on so my first So, less drive. than a year. Yeah. Dang. That is amazing. Yeah. It was um, <clears throat> It was what I needed to do. It. I, I had just had my life ripped out from under me. Oh, in a that's way, right. In a way that... Um, you know, everybody does at different points in their journey where mm -hmm. you think you're heading one way and all of a sudden something happens and all your best laid plans just get wrecked. Yeah. And so I was at a point where I was contemplating switching careers, contemplating moving, and we bought a property up in North Carolina. We we're contemplating moving to a town with 461 people in it nice and um <laughs> reclusing out which is uh probably every eating disorder person's dream but um god had other plans and this book came to me right after the event and i decided that i was going to write the book instead of run away mm. Nice. Because I was trying. I was trying to run away you, again. Because you, literally, your, most of your life were a runner. <laughs> oh, I love to run. Yeah. Running, um, running is the addiction that is addressed in the book. There's two things that are um, really kind of addressed, and that is an eating disorder and um, a running addiction and exercise addiction. So, yeah, instead of literally running away or figuratively running away, I sat down and wrote what was in my head. Wow. And that's where, uh, that's great. Because, I mean, you and I talked about the three sort of uh, core issues that you wanted to talk about today or three things that you wanted to discuss about the book. And that one of them, the first one was that last October, you lost your best friend and that's really a, like the first kind of the first part of the book. Yeah, it um, it really is. Um, my best friend is she's the greatest person on the planet. She's beautiful inside and out. And life took us um, against our wishes in opposite directions. Mm. And, you know, it was interesting to process that heartache of the loss of a best friend because I had not 
experienced that before mm-hmm. and especially when it wasn't my choice right so um i give her all the credit for being a rock star and just wonderfully supportive of me and um and what i needed to do to uh to move through and navigate the the life that I was mourning, you know, that I thought that I was going to have this best friend and we're going to grow old together and do all the things. And when that turned out to not be the case, I had to, it took time. It took a process and this book helped that. That's a huge, huge loss. Yeah, it is. And, you know, I never, um, it, until it happened, I didn't know how big of a loss that was. Yeah. You know? Yeah, I get that. Um, but it also kind of, I guess, breathed life into your marriage. Yes. So I am 100% pro-marriage. Um, my husband and I, I had a pretty traumatic experience with divorce when I was a child. Um, so when my husband and I met and got married, uh, I knew it was going to be forever. He knew it was going to be forever. And... Little did we know that the first 10 years of our marriage was going to be consumed by an eating disorder. No pun intended. Yeah. Oh, yeah. (laughs) Gosh, he wish I would have consumed something at that time, you know? Me too. Really? So, yeah, we were, we, we were in a, we were in a three-person marriage. It was me, my eating disorder, and my husband. And you were having an affair. I was. It really was like an affair. And we described it as such. And when he and you and I sat down and talked, like, he was angry. Mm -hmm. He was super angry just because he was, his life was getting ripped out from under him. But it wasn't his choice. Right. And plus he had to watch. He wasn't losing me for me choosing to leave. He was losing me for choosing to die. Yeah kill myself but slowly and painfully right so um he had a lot a lot and it took me years and my my eating disorder was a 16 year process so you started when you were 15 years old 15 mm-hmm. and and didn't get help and see you until I was 31 years old yeah so it was what fun that was oh my god I was I was the worst <laughs> No, you weren't. (laughs) You were pretty, pretty, um, kind of easy because I'm just going to let you know that a lot of people with eating disorders are so pulled back and they're not communicators. You were, I mean, a staunch communicator. And so it's kind of like I get, when I get people in that have anorexia, there's some that just don't want to communicate they're they're all withdrawn everything is in and then there's others that are just angry and they then they talk and you were the second and that's so much easier yeah I was really angry and the first draft of this book that Jeannie actually read showed that because I had to take out like so many cuss words (laughs) um (laughs) although I I'm a firm believer that that eating disorders need words are powerful and they need powerful words to get them booted out so yes I 
I'm very, very thankful that I was the angry one. And it was because I was silent for so long. Mm -hmm. And when you, like, what you, what grows, like, what you keep in the dark grows. The wolf you feed wins. And I was, I was feeding everything else around me but myself. And I was a people pleaser and I wanted to do all the things perfectly and I didn't want anyone to question me. And so when... So you're a little bit defensive. Oh, gosh. It was, I was so defensive. So I want you to talk a little bit about um, that wolf. They show up everywhere. So I have a metaphor throughout the book, um, and it truly stems from when I was little, I swore there were black wolves that paced my room at night. Um, I, I told my parents they were there. I told, Maybe a little demonic element there. Oh, for sure. Mm. Southern Gothic's my favorite. So, okay. <laughs> but seriously, I was. I had. I had this. These visions of these wolves pacing, and I just could not. I could not deal with it. And everybody told me it was fake and it wasn't real, and which made me feel even more ridiculous, but scared, mm -hmm. because I felt like so targeted. And then when I grew up, I realized those wolves were anxiety. Mm. And anxiety is not, I, I did not understand what anxiety was. It was not a buzzword yet. Mm. My family didn't realize what anxiety was. I grew up in, as a kid in the 90s. Mm -hmm. um, and my eating disorder came in the form of a way for me to release that anxiety and the wolves every time in the book that the wolves show up it's basically saying that there's this looming uh, third party that is stalking my life because I could not enjoy anything or I could not be in the moment of anything because I was constantly thinking all these terrible thoughts in my brain that I didn't know what to do with them so we could call the wolves steal, kill, and destroy. Uh, yes, 100%. Mm. And again, it goes along with the metaphor of the wolf you feed wins. Mm -hmm. And I was feeding that fear that was looming in the back of my brain way more than I was feeding the, the good parts in my life. And I have a, such a good life. Like mm -hmm. I have, it's amazing for somebody that was so broken. I have created such a beautiful life around me and I have such amazing family. Um, and I, w I felt like an imposter. We talked about imposter syndrome. I just felt like I didn't deserve any of it. Mm -hmm. And that, that's how I lived my life for years and years and years. And so many people, whether they have eating disorders or not, live that imposter syndrome, which means that things are, look, they, they look so good. And I have, I, I, I know all these people and I have these opportunities and I've done these things and I have this business or whatever, but underneath there's this belief that they don't deserve it and they're not good enough. And you know, and that stems to me, and I've figured this out through the book writing, or writing the book, because it stems from truly not accepting who you are and like wanting to be something different and wanting to fit a mold that is going to please p people pleasing and just wanting to fit a mold and not, and feeling like you don't fit anywhere. 
but now I just, I don't know, I've felt that shift and embracing that I don't fit in anywhere because I'm different. I'm perfectly unique in the way that God made me mm-hmm. and the universe, you know, bends for me <laughs> and I'm the only one that's going to see that and experience it. So why fight it? Like, mm-hmm. I, I'm one of my favorite lines of the book is I, through this process, I've really figured out I'm made of stardust, river, river runoff and Prometheus's fire. Like that's what's in all of us. And it's so empowering once you realize like the only person I have to please in this life is myself. And if I'm pleasing myself, then it's going to pour out to others around me. It's awesome. Good. Excellent. Yes. Excellent. So another another element that you wanted to talk about today is that uh, there was some stuff going on in 2016. Mm-hmm. I think that's when you met Dr. Sapphire mm-hmm. and um, who had the great gap in her teeth. You're, I love your tooth gap. You have the greatest tooth gap. <laughs> so many people have said, uh, you know, some people have said that I need to cover it. And no. I was like. Nah, never I, I don't care enough to cover it <laughs> I just don't. it makes you you it would <laughs> I would be so sad I had a friend like fix a tooth thing and I got so upset about it I was like that tooth made you it's like some of these actresses that fix their nose and I'm just like oh my gosh like, oh no uh-uh, no I'm thankful I never had the money to do that stuff because I probably would have yeah. and now I'm just so grateful to have my authentic self good yes. so in 2016 you when you and I were meeting and mm-hmm. talking and I was pushing residential and mm-hmm. you were pushing back mm-hmm. tell me what happened so I was living a very private life um <clears throat> so as soon as you suggested treatment said that I needed to get have more 24-hour care because I was not going to stop these behaviors when giving the choice to do so myself. And you you were lying to me. The whole time, like the whole time. (laughs) And I was lying to myself. Note to people out there, (laughs) don't lie to your therapist, they can't help you. Exactly. (laughs) So I spent probably way more money than I should have guys like, Mm -hmm. just get it, rip Mm -hmm. the bandaid off. That's right. So I, I was lying to myself, I was lying to you, and I would go in and I would research and I would look up I was like, it's treatment. What the heck is treatment? Like mm-hmm. I'd heard of, you know, going to um, alcoholic treatment or drug treatment. And and I understood the need for that. And I equated it in my mind with, okay, the, the eating disorder is very similar, but at the same time, like, what are, like, what are they going to do? Like, how is this going to work? Mm. And so when I went out and searched for all these, I guess, ways for me to understand what's going on online they weren't there mm-hmm. I think I watched I don't even know what it's called and I don't even want to promote it I watched some god-awful like YouTube movie on an eating disorder treatment center that was nothing like mana mm-hmm. um that was a like and thank god for all treatment centers mm-hmm. not putting any down but it wasn't what I was expecting and it didn't seem helpful mm-hmm. to me and then I read that actually still happens that they're not helpful. Yeah. And, and a lot of that, I think, too, um, in treatment centers' defenses, it's often have, it has to do with the patient 
parents' willingness. Mm-hmm. Um, there, there's a partnership there, and mm-hmm. the documentary that is so popular on YouTube, the women that were in this facility were not interested in getting better. And so it made this very toxic dynamic that I witnessed, and I was like, oh, heck no, I'm not, I'm not doing that. Like, I'm not leaving my life. I have kids, I have a husband, I have a job, I'm a teacher. I, like, I have people that depend on me. Like, I'm not uprooting myself to go into chaos with people that are just gonna act like just erotic and, or not erotic, that's the wrong word, uh, <laughs> neurotic and, and not want help. Right. And I was lucky when I went into treatment, I got with a great group. Mm -hmm. um, And that made a difference too. Mm -hmm. Some of whom we're still working with and friends with. Shout out to Sam, right? Um, What? uh, (laughs) Yes, ma'am. She's the best. She is. So I I didn't have anything. And then on the second thing was Jenny Schaefer has a book out and it's called Life With Ed. Life Without Ed. Life Without Ed, yes, excuse me, Jenny. It's a wonderful, book mm-hmm. it it really did show me of how opening up to a therapist would be helpful mm-hmm. um but what it lacked for me was i did not see myself in jenny because i had a job that was very different from her mm-hmm. her professional life i i had a husband i had children and i thought well that worked for her because of her situation it won't work for me because I have all these other layers that I have to peel back. So there was just nothing out there about a quarter age woman with a family, a career. A what age woman? Like I'm quarter life, right? I'm not like middle aged. Oh, how old are you? Well, at the time I was 30. Uh, yeah. Yeah. So I'm, I'm, you were on I'm the rounding, floor. I'm rounding down. No. <laughs> how about that? <laughs> Then I'm quarter quarter age life too. There you go. <laughs> right now I'm quarter age. Now at least people think I am. <laughs> you look it and, and oh. you feel it. That's all that matters, right? <laughs> um, so I I really didn't see myself in any of these examples, but through talking with you and also RecoveryWarriors.com was a fantastic resource for me. Yeah. Um, and you worked with them for a while. Yes, I did. And great, amazing online resource for people that don't know where to start. And that's how I got my writing started. I started writing for them. Mm-hmm. Um, but I knew this book needed to be out there for a positive, a positive real. understanding and real and raw understanding of what goes on. Because, yes, the book people when I was selling the book at first or trying to get an agent to to work with me I was getting I was getting often like nobody wants to read something depressing nobody wants to read something depressing and I said well let's 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 compartmentalize that this is not depressing it is heavy topics with inspirational undertones to a positive outcome Mm -hmm. because the Mm -hmm. the end of the story is a beautiful rendition of what recovery can look like mm-hmm. if you work the system if you work for your recovery yep. it, you you can achieve freedom mm-hmm. from these burdens that you just thought forever and ever would just be your life right i thought it was my life and it's not it's not and it doesn't have to be no and 
anybody that tells you that an eating disorder will haunt you for the rest of your life is a freaking liar. I ate, do you know what I ate for breakfast this morning? Tell me. Oh my God. It makes me so happy. I woke up this morning and I got to actually, I'm a teacher, so I, I slept in. I slept in, Yay. had my coffee slow, which was so nice. And then I was like, I'm hungry, but I don't want breakfast food. I heated up stuffed shells that I made last night and they were delicious. Awesome. And so I ate pasta for breakfast Lovely. and felt no bad about it or not a bit bad about it. Then had Chick-fil-A for lunch because I'm living Eatonton now. So I have no Chick-fil-A's near me or around ah. me. So I was like, dang, Chick-fil-A sounds delicious. They do have the best chicken nuggets. My gosh. <laughs> and I, I bought chicken nuggets for the stray cat that I miss from Snellville. <laughs> and we sat down and had a chicken sandwich and chicken nuggets you together. You are cracking me up. I almost brought him here. His name is Pickles. but No. But my husband would be very upset. No. We can't bring him here. <laughs> no. So we, yeah, like I thought it was going to be my life that I was going to be measuring, counting, counteracting and it was it was miserable I was miserable yeah yeah that's because that's what that's what's happening is you are trying I I sat down with this beautiful oh my gosh she's got the biggest blue doe eyes I've ever seen 14 year old in the hospital um friend of mine his daughter and I was just trying to explain to her just like I do with every person every person that has decided that food is not their friend that it's their enemy and they can't think they get to this place where there's this you're just kind of grayed out and life is grayed out and your brain doesn't think that means you're malnourished 100 percent, and your body is going into the starvation mode to protect your heart and your lungs so that it keeps beating which you had a lot of problems with. I did. I um, and captured in the book. Yeah, and my I talked to my students about my experience with eating disorders a lot because I feel like that is one platform that I have to help children because this is a disease that affects a lot of children, and then so many don't most, even understand it. So most eating disorder thoughts begin. Guess when? Probably. Gosh, probably nine years old seven to eight years old yeah because you're going to school and you begin you had your brain is is cooked enough like you've Mm -hmm. got the this front part of your brain that's just developed enough to be able to compare yep and and kids are rude kids are rude I work with (laughs) I work with kids every day and they don't mean to be god bless them but they just say what's on their mind and then you never know that one little insecurity that you have about yourself and somebody else, you know, mm-hmm. acknowledges it mm-hmm. and breathes it out into the it. universe. <laughs> right. And then you're like, crap, like that's not just in my head. That's for real. This is a problem. And then, you know, I, I see so many kids that feel like their body's a problem mm-hmm. and it's just wrong. Mm-hmm. And I did, I thought my body and I was kind of the opposite. I thought my body was my currency. I thought my body was my worth. And so if I, I if any part of it was imperfect, then that would mean I was not worthy of love and attention. Mm-hmm. And I, 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 that was a core belief 
in my soul. Now it's, I'm sad that I grew up that way. Mm. And I'm sad that I wasted a lot of time um, trying to manipulate my body into something it didn't want to be. Not only mentally and did I miss out on so much, but physically I'm paying for it now. I'm paying. And I, I, if I could have told my younger self, like, you're not going to think this way when you're 38 years old, and but you're still going to be paying for the decisions that you made because your body is damaged and has been damaged. I might have thought differently. Probably not. But at the same time, I don't know. If somebody else would have told me that about them and their story, maybe I would have thought differently. And that's kind of why I want this out there because, or one of the many reasons I want this out there is we, we can't make our, ourselves what we're not. And the best example of that is my cats. Listen, I love cats. Yeah, I know. But <laughs> I'm a dog girl. <laughs> oh, Sassy made the book. Don't worry. Oh, yay. I know. I remember. <laughs> she, um, but I, I took my cats to the vet. And I have two kittens that are tabbies. One's gray and one's orange. And then I have a Turkish van. I didn't know what that was until I looked up what he was when we rescued him from the shelter. So, um, But we, I have this Turkish van. And he's huge. He's like huge 20 pounds plus and every almost time, like a Maine Coon well yeah and he looks very similar and every time I go to the vet the vet body shames my poor cat and says like he's way too big and I I literally point to my two kittens that are completely different breeds completely different size and I'm like they they eat the same they 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 experience the world the same they don't have anything different they're in different bodies mm. It doesn't mean one is worse than the other. Quit fat shaming my cat. You can't tell me a 20-pound cat needs to weigh po- nine pounds. And, like, we, we set these unrealistic expectations on ourselves. And it's like, that's not what his body wants to be. Yeah. Leave him alone. Right. Yeah. And, and so I got defensive about my cat. I'm like, man, I should say this about myself. If, you, if I give that grace to a cat, like, giving that grace to myself is... Well, and that's, that's one of the things that I like to also stress is that our body is a tool, right? Mm -hmm. It helps us get through this life and what we do with it. It's like any tool, like a scale in and of itself is not inherently bad. It's how you use it. Mm -hmm. Just like the internet. The internet is, is not, it does not have a moral quality. Mm -hmm. It is how you use it. Yep. Just like food, Mm -hmm. just like sex, just like money, Mm -hmm. all of the things. It's, it's how you utilize these tools to get through life. And another thing that goes along with what you're saying, because I totally agree, is that it's different for everybody. That one person that is running a certain amount of time a week, fueling their body right, and doesn't have disordered thoughts or doesn't have addictive behaviors can be fine. But for me, it's, I had to come up with a phrase and I, uh, that's not for me. Mm. And that's simple. Once, once, so when somebody is bragging at me in the coffee room about how much weight they've lost and the new fad diet they're on, I literally just smile and nod because I'm at the point where I can do that now Mm -hmm. without 
going into total defense mode, which was really hard. Yeah, like, you're killing yourself. Exactly. (laughs) But I just have to say it's not for me. What they're doing is not for me. Even things like religious things like um, fasting, um, Lent, when when people in Lent comes around, um, I I cannot give up something for 40 days is not healthy for me. Whether Mm -hmm. it's a positive thing or a negative thing, it doesn't matter. Mm -hmm. It's restriction that triggers a want and need for me to slip back into disordered ways. Right. The other, I, I want to point out one thing, because um, you were talking about a while ago about how uh, kids don't really know like who they are and they're trying to figure things out and that imposter syndrome. Mm-hmm. The other part of an addiction uh, that I you know, when I'm working with someone that I work towards is naming the pain. Mm -hmm. What has caused you the most pain? What situation, what person, what phrase, what, what has caused you to believe negatively about yourself and has invalidated who you are? Yes. Because one of the phrases that was the trigger. Now my parents divorce and all the things they were going through, that was the cause of my pain. That was the root, Mm -hmm. but it was not the trigger. The trigger of my pain was when someone, one of my family members told me that I was fat when I was 14 in front of the whole family. I literally will never get that image out of my brain, Yeah, but it set off. It was the spark to the flame. The pain was already there. So it wasn't her fault Mm -hmm. it was just the trigger that ignited the whole situation yeah and 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 she didn't mean for that to be no the the catalyst but that was her issue that was her issue exactly and that's why and that's why we have to be as adults knowing adults we have to be aware of how we're speaking about ourselves and about others in front of our children it's Mm -hmm. so impactful yeah. Re- regardless. So let's go into our third third thing. Parents. Talk to the parents out there. So um, my parents, Nancy Blue and Glenn Malul and Karen Malul, and they are the greatest people on the planet. Wonderful. I, I mean, I hit the lottery with parents. And um, I've thanked them for pu- profusely for allowing me to do what I need to do to get my story out and to heal. And they, when we first started, I guess, seeing eating disorder behaviors within myself when I was a kid, they got advice from a person back in the 90s that if they ignored it, it would go away. So just ignore her poor eating habits, ignore the everything. And they took that advice and... I went off to college without having ever addressed it in when I was in grade school staying at home underneath my parents' wing. So I, and then when I went off to college, I ran away to Mississippi State and went as far away from everybody that cared about me could. So my parents really didn't know what was going on. So then when they saw me for the first time after they real, after my eating disorder had gotten out of control and I couldn't hide it anymore, then they didn't know what to do. They didn't understand it. They didn't understand um, what I was thinking, how I was feeling, and how to help me. And 
I truly, 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 we went through the process at 31, and my parents are 65 years old, holding my hand through this process. And they, my dad read this book, and he told me that it all made sense. Mm. He said, after I read this, he said, it made sense. Everything that he said, I remember those situations that you had in the book, because they are based on my experiences. And he said, I remember that, but then I got to see what was going on behind your head. Mm -hmm. And he said- The things you couldn't say. Exactly. And he said, if I had had this book, if I had had this book, then I would have known how to help you more so than- Mm than going at it blind. So I wrote this book again for for parents. So parents can that don't understand and people and spouses and best friends and siblings that don't understand why and how it started and how it got so bad and what the brain is thinking when you're you're doing these horrible things to yourself and you and you can't stop because it the discomfort feels so much more comfortable than the actual risk of putting yourself out there and healing. Mm -hmm. So it's really a book for people to help understand what goes on with people with mental disorders um, and addictive behaviors. And what's the name of the book? It's Protecting Her Peace. By Brooke Heberlin. There she is. Yes. There she is. And it is on sale today. Yes. And what's the price? What's the price point? So it's twenty one ninety five. Okay. And where is it sold? It is sold on Amazon through um, Barnes and Noble. It's through my. I'll have you post a connection to my link to Newman Springs Publishing. Shout out to my publisher. What, what? And it's it's worth it. It's something that every person that has read it has said that this needs to be out there. Awesome. This needs to be out there. It's, yes, and I, I, uh, I read it and I told you when we first started this that I don't read anymore. <laughs> um, so I was, uh, I just love understanding like my people, like I, you know, I have my people that I've worked with and I keep some of them and um, the, just the amazing skill that you have because you you truly bring things to life um, in the mind of the reader. So thank you. Excellent skill. Thank you. So I'm super proud of you, my girl, thank one of my you. girls. Yes. Um, and thank you for promoting Mana. I really appreciate Mana. That. Mana saved my life. Mana is the reason this book is available. <laughs> well, let me let me explain. Um, you know, man is a nonprofit. Mm -hmm. And so we're um, growing. We um, I have about 20 uh, full to part time therapists and interns and whatnot. We have um, right now we have four active programs. We have PHP for eating disorders, IOP for eating disorders. We have a family program that once we have three families that are willing we're going to reignite that that would be great we also have um a yeah people have loved that program yeah and the because the the whole family has to heal for an eating disorder survivor to thrive the families that have been apart while their child or their spouse has been in our program literally the people that have gone through the have the eating disorder 
they they finish l within a month less. It's like it takes them a month less on average to go through the program. Because you have that support. And then, but then the rest of their lives, they have this healthier yes. environment to grow up in. Yes. Um, so we're uh, wanting to restart that. We also have a three-day-a-week. We're expanding it to four-day-a-week trauma intensive outpatient program. Um, one of my amazing little intern extraordinaires is starting um, a, an adolescent mental health program because many times that when these kids go through the eating disorder, you know, their trauma or their pain or their anxiety, all that stuff comes to the surface. So we have a, a way for them to go in to, we have a program for them to go into next. And we are, I, I've also developed this heart for veterans and first responders mm -hmm. and so i've developed an online program for them and we are all going to start a uh, an intensive outpatient program for them as That's well awesome so and then there's more but more. wait there's more Gosh. we are starting the mana house oh stop it literally I, I can't that's exactly what we need it's um oh, we it. well we're starting two levels of care for that so we're going to have a residence a mm -hmm. recovery residence for that mm -hmm. um we're just starting with one apartment and four people and then we are probably in two to three years we are going to be creating man literally the mana house which is going to be a residential program for women 18 and over for eating disorders and trauma it's amazing. It's so needed. And that's going to be here. I mean, there's literally one program in the whole state that deals with eating disorders. Exactly. And, and I was a recipient of the MANA Fund back in 2016 because, y'all, it's... It's expensive. It's impossible to do on your own. Yeah. It's impossible. Um, it's expensive because good things take time and money. And, I mean, I donated back... Yes, you did. Oh and my gosh, and we are so thankful. But it's like a, but it's a full circle moment thing that we're just so thankful for Mana in my household. It, it, it's a beautiful word in every sense. Good. Well, my original intent for um, creating Mana was that the whole world would really remember what the name of Mana means, which is gift from God. It's hope. It's. Uh, guiding you on your spiritual journey through the desert and that's what that's what gosh the alchemist is my favorite book ever so you just like never read that oh shut up i told you i don't read. oh my gosh so but all right. now with all that stuff i know why um so i want to end with a verse i love that it's proverbs 14 1 the wise woman builds her house but with her own hands the foolish one tears hers down mm. i'm so glad i'm not foolish anymore right my god thank you lord <laughs> right yeah so that is exactly when i first read that about 10 years ago i was like that's the eating disorder right there mm -hmm. it's just right there and it must have been going on way back for oh, forever yeah. so anyway we um we pray for everyone that's listening we want you guys to um you know, if you have any questions, I mean, you can hit, you can hit me up on social media. I'm on um, Instagram at author Brooke Heberling and Facebook. Honestly, I wrote this book because I was helping so many people online um, yeah. that it got overwhelming. Right. <laughs> so it's, this is, this is my, this is my, my gift, my, 
my lecture to anyone that is wanting to heal that it's possible and right and look right you can do it and then you guys can throw out your donations for the end of the year every year 100 percent to manna i mean it's literally what did you say just a week in treatment costs ten thousand dollars a month a month well actually no 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 no. a month now costs probably twenty five thousand dollars yeah i mean it's so expensive it's so expensive and every human that goes through your program is worth that money oh and more oh yeah and that's what we do with the money is 100%. we donate it. So I mean, I'm here because of it. So, all right. Well, thank you so much, Miss Brooke, thank for you. joining us on Food, Faith, and Feelings, presented by Paradigm Security Services and the Mana Fund. And don't forget that you can enjoy any of our episodes anytime by visiting businessradiox.com, selecting the Gwinnett Studio, and then clicking on Food, Faith, and Feelings. This program is also available on Apple iTunes iHeartRadio, Spotify, or wherever you listen to your favorite podcasts. Until next time, I am Dr. Jeannie Burnett, and you have been listening to Food, Faith, and Feelings on Business Radio X.